Hey guys, welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast, a carefully curated collection of interviews with spiritual entrepreneurs and soul-centered changemakers designed to help ignite your inner light and guide you in creating your most expansive life. And I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and today I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Jordan Bach. Jordan is a spiritual teacher and a life coach. He is recognized as one of the most influential gay teachers of the modern spiritual scene, and I would say just period, most influential spiritual teachers of the spiritual scene, but that was by PQ Monthly, and Jordan's inspirational messages, they reach a new generation of people searching for fulfillment and inner peace. In 2013, the advocate named him a lesbian, gay, bi, trans architect of the next decade and listed him among the 40 under 40 most accomplished leaders. He regularly appeared on Logo TV's Secret Guide to Fabulous, produced by Kelly Ripa. And in addition to his coaching practice, he's also a GLAAD media partner and consults with major corporations on LGBT brand initiatives. Welcome, Jordan. (laughs) Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have you. And, you know, I'm just excited to dive into this because I have so many questions for you. I'm so excited to pick your brain. (laughs) Let's dive in. Where are we going today? (laughs) Let's, Let's go all the way back to the beginning. So right now you have this incredibly impressive resume. You've done so many wonderful things. You're, you know, on the top of your game. I'm sure only only growing more. But I know that it probably wasn't always that way. And one of the things I always like to talk about that I think I know inspired me when I was going through my journey was hearing that, um, if you resonate with the hero's journey, when you first, like, hear that call, and mm. then oftentimes we ignore that call for a little bit, and, and then finally get into action and, and start realizing what we're, we're meant to do. So I'd like to take it all the way back here when you first started getting that little twinkle in your eye that this might be something you'd want to do. Well, you know, ever since I was a little boy, even though I grew up in a home where I, you know, I was an atheistic household, both of my parents are atheists. Um, and though my grandmother, who lived with us, had great spiritual beliefs, um, I, we just did not live in a very spiritual or religious home. But ever since I was a little boy, I had these sort of deep feelings um, that I now, in retrospect, with my adult language and, and perspective, can look back and see was deeply spiritual. So since I was a little boy, I've been deeply spiritual. I had some um, phenomenal experiences when I was little in terms of... Um, um, feeling guided and feeling protected by a power that was greater than myself. And, you know, I, that, that has formed the foundation of my psychology since I was little. Um, but, you know, you get wooed and seduced by the ways of the world. And so I was excited to go to design school to study branding and marketing um, here in New York City when I was 18. And that was 10 years ago. And I graduated school, and I was just thinking about this yesterday, actually. I graduated school and went to go apply for a job in marketing. And I was really excited about it. And I realized 
some voice within me said, this isn't for you. This isn't for you. There's, you have a greater, you have a greater calling than making clothes look good, making a product look good. And so I went to a juice bar and got a job at a juice bar. And on the second day I walked into the juice bar. Now I was supposed to just be serving juice at the counter. And I walked in on the second day with a plan for the company <laughs> to, to rebrand and to, to bring its message of health and wellness even further. And they looked at me and said, well, thank you very much for this, but can you get back to the cash register, please? And again, I left that job and said, I, I, I want a bigger, a bigger job, you know? Um, and so I started doing what I do today, which, which, which all started on a blog. And the great thing about that is that everyone has access to a blog and to social media. And that's precisely how I started it. I love that. That's um, that's the same same process I really went through, where I went to school for something else, and I was working all these other jobs because I wasn't really sure what I I knew I wanted. I wanted to do something that was helping people, mm-hmm. um, and I started a blog too. I started a blog pretty much before, and I feel like you're probably in this boat too. Before like blogs were cool, and it was a big thing that people knew you could make money off of. Um, I just did it to, to do it. And I think it's, um, well, the money didn't come until, until, uh, quite a bit later. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that's what a lot of people miss nowadays. They think like they set it up and all of a sudden (laughs) now it's like, I'm like, Oh, it took years. (laughs) It took years. Um, but what was that process like for you? Because I think that's what a lot of my audience is really curious about is let's say you're doing whatever you have to do to pay the bills and you have this blog and you realize that this is your passion and perhaps what you're meant to do. And what were some of the steps that you took to finally like stand in your power and just be like, I'm a life coach. I'm a spiritual teacher. This is who I am. Well, you know, one of the biggest problems that people face when they first hear that call to teach, to spread light, to, to really become a light worker um, is who am I to do this? You know, who am I to do this? Um, because we don't feel that we're smart enough. Maybe we don't feel that we have enough, you know, education or certification. Uh, we don't feel that, um, we have something to say that isn't already being said. And these are all voices of the ego that really come in loud, really loud, um, in the beginning. Um, for a lot of people. And for me, that voice of the ego, that voice of fear manifested in such a way that I, I, I felt that people would feel I was arrogant. And that was a, a fear of mine. I didn't want someone to see me as, you know, full of myself or delusional, you know, to think that I knew something that they didn't know about some mystical power. I think a lot of people resonate with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know a lot of people do, right? And so I, I hesitated. I hesitated for months and months and months. And even though I had started my blog and I had started um, spreading the message on social media, I was held back. You know, and, and you can relate with this, right? Being, oh, yeah. 
I mean, I literally call it, people ask me what the turning point for me was. It was, was it? It, it was when, well, I was literally like kind of the universe like put me on an ABC show. And I was kind of just like, literally, I call it being like led by angels because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it feels good. I'm just going to do it. And after being on that, I realized that it was just kind of like this full body knowing that I had a responsibility and I had a message to spread and I was being given a platform for a reason. Um, And then I like to say that I came out of the spiritual closet on Instagram and just started being like my full woo-woo self. (laughs) And I don't, you've probably had this experience too, but once I really just like, was like, this is who I am and this is what I believe in and I'm going to talk about this stuff, that's when everything rushed in to support me and to, to guide me and it, it really kind of took off. Yeah, precisely. You know, um, I was at a seminar of, for spiritual teachers and a woman stood up in the audience and said, you know, how do I deal with the people in my life who don't understand what I do and who attack me for what I do. And, and, and really what I think that, and, and, and I know that that's a worry and an issue that a lot of people face, particularly people who are just beginning on this path. And I found in my own life that when I'm worried about that, that's when I see those people in my life. That's when those people show up. And as I become more grounded in my own belief, and as I become more certain and more sure of what I believe, who I am, and what I feel called here to, to bring, um, those people, I, one of two things happens. Either those people stop showing up in my life, or I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that, ha- you know, that really happened with me. And, and I was like, uh, and I, I was this fun New York party kid um, that was at, you know, all these parties and events. And, and you know, I'm, I, was, I was the kid who was like the last one to go home. And then there I am talking about the universe and God and cosmic support and angels and crystals. And yeah. <laughs> Wait, you are you talking about this? Yeah. Uh, and so, the, yeah, the, there was a, a funny period where people were were like, the people who knew me were like, "What? What?" Yeah. But the fact is, my old self, you know, I, I, I who I am today feels more authentic than who I was then. And in that period of my life, I was still and. In, in many ways, I'm still discovering who I am. I'm, I'm in my 20s, after all. You know, I'm not some old wise man. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and we're constantly discovering who we are and becoming more of who we really are. But uh, my my spiritual self is my deepest self, and, and the same is true of you and and anyone who's watching this. Yeah. Absolutely. I love I love so many things that you brought up there. I love that was something I definitely noticed in my path as well. And I know it comes up for a lot of my clients where they're going through that transit transition period where all of a sudden people are like, wait, where did this come from? Now you meditate? Now you're doing the Course of Miracles? What's the Course of Miracles? Yeah. And the for sure, I think that's something it's like, yeah, you just have to 
it's just a reflection, I think, like you said, of your inner environment. Like the more you stand grounded in who you are and what you believe in, the more people will either get on board with it or just respect that that's what you do. And regardless of whether or not they subscribe to it, that's you. Um, yeah, A Course in Miracles says um, miracles arise from conviction. Yes. And through your conviction in teaching something, you make it true not only for the other person, but for you. And so I've found that to get into a state of conviction for me um, is, is the most important thing. And that's why um, a great question to ask yourself is, what do you really believe? And particularly for people who are on this spiritual path and, and on the path of, of becoming you know, a teacher, a healer, a trainer, a coach, um, we say we believe these things. We say we believe X, Y, Z. But to sit down, you know, by yourself with your journal or whatever you use to, you know, really face yourself and ask yourself, what do I really believe? And there we can find what we're here to teach. In, in our response to that question, what do I really believe? There we can find our message. Um, because I do think there's a danger in teaching about things that we don't really believe. Um, I mean, I just had this experience. I just did a video a couple weeks ago where I had this experience in my life of going through a very difficult breakup last year. And it's, you know, I practice forgiveness of other people regularly and have been doing that for a long time. And the great thing is I didn't need to forgive my ex because he never did anything, you know, to deliberately hurt me. And he's a great guy. Uh, but I realized I needed to forgive the past. And I did this whole video on it. So if, if someone watching wants to, feels that they need to forgive the past, then go find my video on thebachbook.com. But I had this saying that I had heard on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I talk about this in the video. Forgiving, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> a good one, right? And when I first heard it years ago, it intellectually resonated as true. And so I was like, oh, yep, that's a good truth, right? And us spirit junkies love, you know, our truthisms. And we have like um, 20 bushels of truthisms that we can like pull out of our back pocket at any point in time and, and throw it out there. But in that moment, and I remember walking through the park, and it hit me that I was living that lesson, that I was living the experience of that truth. And then I was able to teach it. Then through my experience of it, my true lived experience understanding of it, I was able to teach it with conviction. Um, and I remembered all the times in coaching when I had said, Forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. And I didn't, yeah, I, I knew it was true intellectually, uh, but I didn't, I hadn't lived the experience. Yeah. And, and so I think for anyone who's watching this, who, who, you know, wants to come forward with a message, one of the best questions you can ask is, what do I really believe? And what has life taught me? Because everything in your life is a lesson that God, the universe would have you learn. And those are the things that you are here to teach. 
I love it and I can't agree with you more because I really feel like I'm a student of kundalini yoga so we talk a lot about the age of Aquarius and how right now we're in this time of experience so it's you know it's not just the knowledge that we learn from the intellect it's actually having that full body experience where I, I always call it like integrating it like I read a lot of stuff from the course I'll you know obviously I listen to all these different spiritual people and I don't doubt that everything they're saying is truthful but until you like you said like actually are living through it can you share that story and I think that's something that's so important for anyone who's worried about I know you probably hear this a lot from some people you work with I hear this a lot where they feel like it's saturated right now and they're just worried that they're speaking other people's messages and I feel like that is the antidote to that and that's what I always say it's like when you share from your experience and from your stories because everyone's story is enough everyone has a story that's enough you know here I am I'm a white guy who grew up never really wanting for anything when it came to material things. I live in downtown Manhattan. I live in a gay enclave of society. Um, you know, f- from the outside, it looks like I-, I should, you know, have it all together and that there's nothing I could possibly, you know, offer someone who's lived uh, less um, uh, I I guess you could say privileged experience. Um, But the fact is, when I really looked at my story from the place of being a little boy, and I think we all have that inner child, that little child within us, um, who at one point, um, being the sensitive, open-hearted child, felt that the world was too much and began to shut down. And so many of us who are spiritual, um, deeply spiritual people have had that experience. And it's from, I think, that experience as a little child, um, seeing the world and shutting down and then having the courage and the vulnerability to open back up again. That's, that's, That's almost a universal story for so many of us. And it's a powerful story. And so the story of how you closed your heart and then gained the courage to open it back up again is something that anybody can teach who's gone through it. And, and, and it doesn't matter where you're from. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've had a, a tragic experience or really no tragic experiences at all. Um, that's a powerful story. And that's the story that will save the world. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you're saying it's it's also definitely, I think, trusting that your story is enough. And I definitely can resonate with that feeling like, oh, there wasn't enough struggle. So how can I, you know, have that? And when you realize that, well, there are plenty of people out there that are going to relate to you in a really unique way that they might not be able to relate to someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many of us are being called right now because we need us all. There's not enough of us right now. There needs to be... There's really not enough of us. You know, there are the there are people who are doing great work, the Gabby Bernsteins and the Marianne Williamsons and, and Oprah Winfrey and, you know, Caroline Mace and these, you know, big, great, wonderful teachers. Um, but each A Course in Miracles says that 
each of us who chooses to become a teacher of love has our students chosen for us already. And when we answer the call, our students will begin to seek us out, which, is, which means, you know, when you answer the call and you say, okay, I have this feeling I, I want to teach, you, your life story and what we're talking about right now, our ability to, you know, go in and ask and look at our lives and say, what has life taught me? How have I um, detoured into fear um, and come back into love, as Gabby Bernstein um, so eloquently says, we take, we have, each of us has a unique message that can only um, be really received by these people who are already chosen for us by the universe. Yeah. And we are, so we already have our audience. It's already there. And that's like, and that's how the universe works. We have everything we need and all we have to do is unlock it. Yes. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. We have everything we need. All we need to do is unlock it or I like to, or show up for it. I like to say, you know, show up for it. And, and so, and, and this is the ego coming in for anyone who wants to be a teacher. The ego will come in and say, they're already doing that. You know, Gabby Bernstein's already doing that, right? Oprah Winfrey's already doing that. Marie Forleo's already doing that. Daniela Port's already doing that. We have all these people who are doing great, successful things. I'm sure if there are gay people watching this, they're saying, oh, well, Jordan Bach's already doing that. But the fact is, there are going to be some gay people out there who take one look at me and can't listen to a word I say, right? There are going to be some people who can't stand me. And there needs to be someone to, to, to get those people. Yeah, exactly. Or the, you know what I'm saying? There are going to be some people who, who can't vibe with me and yet would vibe perfectly with someone who's watching this video right now who's thinking, I kind of want to do this. And so we, like, just like you said, you're so right. We need everybody. And though it appears that there's, that there's a lot of people doing it, there's really only a couple dozen. And we need <laughs> yeah. hundreds and thousands. We need an army. <laughs> an army. Yeah. An army of light. <laughs> yeah, because there's an army of hate in the world. Um, and there's an, there's more than an army. There's yeah. a, there's a, a collective, there's a collective consciousness, a tribe, a culture, a world of fear. And our job is to come in and with as much conviction as some people have to hate, we need to come in and love. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And this kind of all brings me to my next question because I really resonated with this. It's a unique part of your story um, and also connects with mine a bit about I watched how you had um, you had talked about and I loved I loved how you said it where you're like uh, saying to someone just be yourself is not always the best piece of advice. Mm -hmm. um, and just about that whole story about kind of growing into to who you are and, and learning as you go. But what really hit me about that was not only that that's obviously true and great, but but that you had social anxiety growing up. And I am someone who also is, I feel like 
more so when I was younger, but even to this day, a lot of people are really shocked because you can put me, you know, you can put me on national TV, you can put me in front of 3,000 people in like a, you know, and I'll give a talk, but put me in like an ABC home book launch with like five people I know and like a ton of people I kind of sort of know, and I still kind of can get a little, I'm, I'm shy, I'm very shy, um, and I feel okay. like a lot of people let that perhaps stop them you know well really i mean congratulations you know for your for your journey um from fear to love thank Um, you (laughs) you as well that's amazing you know the fact that yeah it's and and that's precisely why your message is so valuable is because um you know you may not have had and I, I don't know if you have, you know, had the most tra- tragic things happen to you in life, but something like experiencing, uh, you know, severe social anxiety to the point where you're not living your fullest life and you know that you're holding yourself back and growing beyond that and releasing that is a massive inspiration. Um, I, and so thanks for sh- for sharing for sharing your message. Well, and and the thank you, but I also wanted to hear from you a little bit about what that journey was like for you because you went from someone I know you said in your video how you were you would get nervous at drive-thrus talking to people. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was horrible. I remember being a sophomore in high school and being in class, sitting in class. And holding my pencil and being at my being at my desk and holding my pencil, taking notes of what the teacher was saying, and I couldn't. I wanted to pay attention to what the teacher was saying, but I couldn't because I I had this this part of my brain just was so focused on what other people were thinking about me, mm-hmm. and I was remember to this day. I remember the classroom. I remember the weather. I remember that where I was sitting. And I, I was wearing a striped rugby shirt, and I was holding the pencil, and I thought to myself, I bet people think I'm holding this pencil weird. And looking back, I, that's, a, that's a delusional thought, because no one, no one was looking at what, what I was doing with my pencil. But your mind can get you so trapped in this negative, fearful, cyclical pattern of fear and self-consciousness and self-absorption that you completely spin out. And, 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 and yeah, I couldn't go through drive-throughs because I felt like they would think I was weird and I was most afraid of how I would react because I, I, I knew that I was awkward and then if something awkward happened, that would make it more awkward and I, and I couldn't deal with humiliation. I couldn't deal with the humiliation of feeling awkward yeah. And it was, I was, so I was 14 or 15. No, how old are you when you're a sophomore in high school? School, um, maybe I 15, think 16? Yeah, I think you're right. 15, 16. So, and I, I, I was studying um, Kabbalah at the time. And my teacher, I asked my teacher, you know, I'm really afraid to go into the supermarket and to do these regular things. And he said, what are you most afraid of? 
And I said, being humiliated. And he said, okay, like what would happen? And I said, I don't know. Like I, he said, what's, what's an example? You go to the supermarket. What's an example of your being humiliated? What could happen? I said, um, I would trip and fall in front of the checkout and everyone checking out would see me trip and fall. And he said, okay, imagine that moment you trip and you fall and you're down on the ground and that sense of humiliation rushes over you. Do you feel that? I said, "Mm -hmm. yeah, I can imagine that. And he said, that feeling of humiliation, you aren't the one who's experiencing that. Your ego is the one who's experiencing that. And that started me on the path of healing my social anxiety because I recognized that my social anxiety was manifestation of my ego mind, which is to say my fearful mind, the part of me that thought that I could be hurt, the Mm. part of me that thinks that who I really am can be attacked. And the fact is who I really am cannot be attacked. Yeah. That, that's so true. And that's such a beautiful catalyst for your growth, your spiritual growth as well. And I feel like we all have different situations that kind of come up for us that we have to move through. And that's a beautiful thing that was so present in your life that you'd have to be so accountable for where your head was at. Were you detouring into fear? Or were you in love? Because when you were in love or truth or whatever you want to call it, in sync with the universe or in line with who you really are, then that anxiety had no place. Yeah, I have a great... Um, I did a video with Corinne Zupko, who has a website called From Anxiety to Love. Um, dot com and, and, it's, uh, and it's about her journey using A Course in Miracles from social anxiety to love and we did a, a, a long video like an hour long that people can find if they want to um, hear more about healing uh, anxiety and self-consciousness and she talks about you know re- reminding herself every time that she experienced um, anxiety or a fearful thought that because you know a line from A Course in Miracles which is because I am not at peace I must have chosen wrongly Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so I will choose again, which is to say I, I, I chose a fearful thought and I will choose a loving one instead. I will choose a thought that is in line with, with who I really am. I love it. I love yeah. it. And for me, one of the big, actually, on my journey, I remember at a certain point, I was, I remember my, I'm like remembering like being in the kitchen of my apartment and I'm listening to Hay House Radio And I remember just I had been praying about it because it had just been something that I was, you know, things were going well. And I was in a situation where I was in more of these social things. And I was like, well, I'd had experiences in the past where people thought that I was not nice because of what they misinterpreted my quietness as. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I really, you know, I have, I know, I know that I can get through this. This doesn't have to be a thing. And I was listening to, of course, Doreen Virtue on Hay House Radio. And she goes, I don't even remember what she was talking about, but she was like, when you're nervous, just f- focus on service. And yes, yes, yes. And yes, that's yes. just that shift from fear to love. But just put in a context that kind of, for me, just triggered, 
like, well, whenever I'm being in this place, I'm not being of service. I'm not being a light. I'm not being mm-hmm. love. Um, and that was really helpful for me, too. That's, that's a line from A Course in Miracles that I use all the time whenever I have to do something public, uh, whenever I have to get up and talk or get in front of a camera. I say, I am only here to be truly helpful. I love that. And, and again, you know, a lot of social anxiety and self-consciousness is, is self-absorption. Mm-hmm. And a lot of self-esteem problems, low self-esteem, are self-absorption. You know? Yeah. Um, the ego vacillates between littleness and grandiosity. And, that, and, and, and both have to do with a level of self-absorption. So when you recognize how important you are to the healing of the world... And you put yourself in a place of service, in a mindset of service. Before you get up to speak, before you're, if you have anxiety about walking into even a party or a dinner party, you can say to yourself, I am only here to be truly helpful. I am only here to give love to whomever is assigned to me tonight, whoever (laughs) is seated next to me by the universe. I am only here to be truly helpful. I'm only here to be a channel of love. And when you do that, your self-esteem issues will fall away of their own weight. I love it. I love it. I am only here to be truly helpful. That's so powerful. Um, one other thing that I really wanted to ask you about, because I really love, I'm a big um, advocate for vulnerability. And, you know, really, especially in our line of work, being really honest about what we go through. So when I saw you talking about your big breakup that you talked a little bit about earlier, um, I, I was intrigued and excited because I found for me breakups have been like massive catalysts and catapults um, energetically to just shift into gear and kind of um, I feel like whenever you release something that's no longer serving you or no longer moving you forward as you so eloquently put which I loved um, you you feel that energy that that push and pull the universe responds to you realizing that that was no longer yeah, so it, it's courage. It takes courage to do that. Yeah. Yes, it definitely from something um, that your ego still wants to hold on to. It takes courage. Yes, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And I think the thing I love um, about that story was because you're already kind of you're already a spiritual teacher, you're already a life coach, you're already in the public eye, so to speak, when this was going down. And I think sometimes when we're on this path, when we feel like we've you know, we've, we've tread some water, we're, we're moving ahead. And then we deal with a, you know, a a heartbreak or a tragedy or, or, you know, sadness that happens in our life. Um, it's always interesting to, to see how we, how we handle it while trying to uphold the space that we hold. Mm -hmm. And I loved how honest you were about, you know, the, you kind of getting into that place of, you know, of really questioning yourself and, you know, kind of gaining some weight, not taking as good a care of yourself. And then the New York Times comes and asks to do a feature on you and you decide that it's not the right time. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit more of what was going through your head at that point. And I just thought that was so beautiful and it really moved me because I think it really shows how in integrity you are and how responsible you are um to really have that kind of opportunity and 
and realize that, you know what, right now, I'm not the best example or whatnot or right now. Well, yeah, I, I think integrity is a great, is a great word. And it's one of my, it, it, it's, it's a word that I, I, I hope that, that I strive to embody and I'm not there yet. And during my breakup, that was patently clear to me, um, which is to say, you know, thank God, I, I thank God that I do the work that I do, because, again, for me to teach peace every day, that's how I make it true for myself through my conviction and teaching it. And so every day I would get up to coach, to teach, to do a podcast or an interview, and I would have to do what I'm doing now, which is talk about peace. And that puts me in a place of peace. And so that really got me through. But when it comes to, you know, living, I, when I practice what I preach, everything tends to work out well. And I'm in flow and things go smoothly. And I don't practice what I preach 100% of the time. And let me say that before someone else, you know, comes out and tries to expose me <laughs> practicing what I preach. I don't all the time. Um, and I, and that's my work. Um, a Course in Miracles says a teacher of God is not perfect or else he wouldn't be here. Or else he wouldn't be here. If we were perfect, we wouldn't be incarnated on this planet to, to do the work that we're doing. Um, we're here so that we might become perfect. Through healing other people, we heal ourselves. And so that's why I do the work. And, and that my breakup made that very clear to me that I would cry in the shower and then open up you know, my computer and coach people you know, at 9 a.m. throughout the day. And, and after coaching people, I would feel a lot better. Oh, yeah. And... and and, and listen, I think people, you need to have, if you're going to do this work, you need to have a certain level of, of groundedness and stability, or else you cannot teach from a place of conviction. And by the grace of God, I, I, I do have a level of stability and groundedness that's unshakable. I think that comes from my deep level of spirituality that I've had since I was very little. Um, I know that no matter what's happening on the outside in life, that I am safe. I am loved. And in those moments, you know, of my breakup are very difficult. And in all of the scary, fearful moments of my life, that is my affirmation. I am safe. I am loved. There is a place in me where there is perfect peace. And that I know, that I know for sure. And that's from the play. That's the place um, from from which I teach. Yeah, and that's yeah. I definitely have had that experience too. I feel like, um, and to touch on what you said too, and what the course says, I also believe that our imperfections are a lot of what makes people relate to us. I think it's, it's sometimes beautiful that we're still working on ourselves and we're not perfect because how intimidating would it be to learn from a teacher that was a saint <laughs> that never tripped up, that never had to like learn things the hard way. Um, I think a lot of the times when I, you know, I, I think we have this in common that the difference between us and maybe someone who's not as farther, uh, farther along on their path 
would just be that we kind of can notice it when we're doing it. We have that awareness, and, and it's about being able to bring yourself back. Yeah, it's always about being able to, yeah, that's so right. It's always about being able to bring yourself back. And, you know, I think we guilt ourselves a lot. The ego comes in the back door and says, you look, you're not a good spiritual student. You're a bad spiritual teacher because you, you got off track here. And the fact is, we'll, we'll always be getting off track until the end of our days. <laughs> and the point is to shorten the time it takes you to get back on track. I love shorten the amount of time it takes to get back on track. Yeah. And I love your affirmation. I think that's really powerful. I think we all have those little, and I think it's so important to develop one that's unique for you that you feel like for, for me, a lot of it's just, just saying I am light and connecting to like, I just imagine a huge ball of light in my chest. And when I go to that place, then all of a sudden everything clears. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, and, and having that affirmation. So for the audience out there, whatever, you know, resonates with them, whatever, you know, whether it's some of the words you heard Jordan say today or something that you've seen on Instagram or you've read it in The Course in Miracles, whatever it is, um, I think it's really powerful being like a little, like... Mm-hmm. Write it down, keep it next to your desk, um, put it on a post-it. Use it as a habitual thought. Uh, Course in Miracles says miracles are habits. And if you can have a thought like that, that you words that instantly bring you to a feeling, um, that instantly bring you to a feeling of peace, that is the miracle. And it and these affirmations can go from just being flowery words into being really helpful switches for you yes. that bring about the miracle, which is the shift in thinking from fear to love. Yes, I love that. One of my favorites now that I feel called to say right now, whenever I'm experiencing, um, you know, resentment of either a person or a situation, I say, God is the love in which I forgive this. I love that. And that's one that I've been using lately. And and I I felt called to say that because maybe someone listening to this also that resonates with them too. I believe in God. And so, God is the love in which I forgive this. Yes. And that, so, that, that really is uh, amazing. Yeah, and so, that. why don't you just give us an example? You're obviously not using two specifics, but of a situation in which you've been using that. So, no, I'll give you a specific okay. situation. I um, just was at a baseball game, having a fun time with my friends and got a phone call about uh, and got an upsetting phone call from someone who I felt was um, misunderstanding me and deliberately giving me a really tough time. And I like had it up to here. I was like, this, (laughs) I was like, are you you kidding me right now? I went back to my friends and was like, Oh my God. And they're having a fun time with their beer and their popcorn. And, and I'm like, and she calls me and says, and uh, can you believe it? And she, and they're like, Jordan, chill, bro. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I need to, I, I am not happy right now. I am not at peace right now. And you know, that's how quick it probably took me four or five minutes. 
but I was in it for those four or five minutes. I yeah. was like, Ange, oh my God. <laughs> and then I said to myself, God is the love in which I forgive this. Um, and for me, that means I believe in God. God is for me. And so when I say God is the love in which I forgive this, it means I'm, I'm reminding my mind of what I truly believe, which is back to what we were talking about in the beginning, really knowing what you believe in, in your heart of hearts and returning to that constantly. Yes. And I love that. I think that's definitely going to be very useful for a lot of people. Um, and speaking of things that we believe in, one of the things that I hold... Well, speaking of some things we believe in, <laughs> I believe in your necklace. Oh, thank you. I love it. Let's see, let me see that. It's uh, rock and raw jewelry. This I love that. wonderful um, British spirit junkie named Lucy um, came over and was visiting for a week. They're going to be an ABC home or whatever, and we're doing a line together. But we just had like a random date. And she gifted it to me, and um, now we're like BFF. <laughs> I love so that. that's my story of the necklace. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is is really creating. I really believe that we're in a, a time um, right now where we have to really create this space to hold all of the expansiveness and all of the abundance that is coming our way um, so that we can serve on a higher level. And, and what I, what part of that I believe is, you know, taking care of yourself and, you know, your food, meditation, self-care. I love that you uh, mentioned that line from the course about miracles being habits, because I really believe that in the power of, of habits and rituals that are expanding us, that are supporting us. Um, and I think a lot of people, well, maybe not to say a lot of people, but some people I think um, can dismiss um, the importance of taking care of the physical being um, when they start focusing so much on the spiritual being. And I'm a big believer that it's all really important that we've been giving this vehicle to work with in this lifetime. And when we really take care of it in its highest degree, we're able to serve on a higher level. Um, and we're able to be a clearer channel for everything to come through us. So I'm just curious, what are what kind of things do you do in your life, um, rituals, habits, anything um, that you feel really fuel you? One of my core desires, as Danielle <laughs> likes it. to say, um, is high vibe. I want to, I, I enjoy the feeling of high vibe, being high vibration, um, having a vibrancy and a vitality, um, that's coursing through my body and my mind. And, and I find just like you said that they're connected. My body and my mind are connected. And so when I'm treating my body well, I can get higher vibrations up in my head. Um, and I feel that maybe my crown chakra is more open to receiving guidance um, for my own personal life, guidance for others, and, and inspiration to teach. And so some things that I do are, and this is what works for my body. If I really feel, and I know it's a cliche to say, everybody has a different body. Everyone has a different, you know, this is just what works for me. But I truly believe, um, you know, in Ayurvedic medicine, um, it's believed we all have 
different doshas. We, we all have different. So, you know, spicy food might be good for one person and not so good for another. Um, vigorous exercise might be good for one person and slower exercise might be better for another. So what I enjoy doing and what I found works for me is cardio, doing um, sustained, slower cardio to music that's uplifting, um, sweating quite a bit, and I love ginger juice. Yeah. I'm just going to throw all this out. I love it. Throw it out. <laughs> ginger juice on an empty stomach. If you're lucky enough to have like a juice place near you and they can press juice for you. Ginger juice um, really gets me high vibe or ginger tea if I'm traveling or something. Um, green juices, um, kundalini yoga, um, breath of fire. And really my all-time favorite tool is something I talk about all the time. And that's cold showers. Oh, yeah. Which is actually a kundalini practice to wake up in the morning and take a freezing cold shower. But I take a cold shower every single day, sometimes several times a day. And I find that it um, really not just wakes me up, as everyone would guess it would. Yeah. um, But it gives me this, it turns on, not just like my body, but it turns on, I feel like, my internal furnace. Um, because when your body feels cold, it starts to warm itself up and it doesn't just warm up my fingers and my toes and my torso. I feel it's also warming up my, my brainstem and my, my inspiration and my motivational faculties. And so after a cold shower, I, in a cold shower, I I get some of my best ideas and I get out and it feels better than any Xanax or Clonopin or Valium or painkiller it feels great you feel calm so whenever i'm i I feel anxiety um if i have a ginger juice do 30 minutes of cardio and take a cold shower uh, i'm riding on a cloud Um, of course that's not a cure for you know severe anxiety or depression necessarily um but it's a tool that we can all use to nudge us in, in the right direction toward high vibe living Yeah, I love that. And I definitely echo your sentiments where it's about curating your perfect little, you know, routine or whatnot. And I think it's just another, like you said, it's another technology, another tool for us to be able to to come back to come back home if we need to, or to, to lift us off. I recently got on the cold shower thing, and it is a game changer. Really? I, tell, me, tell me what you think about it. So I, I'm, I'm heavy into kundalini, so I do sadhana in the morning, where mm-hmm. I wake up really early and do my meditations and whatnot, and I was having a really hard time with it, like waking up, staying awake, like disciplining myself. Um, I go to Golden Bridge downtown sometimes, so they'll do it in person. So when I go in person, it's great because I have to, like, get in the Uber and go, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm awake. But when I do it at home on the days that it's not, you know, available in person, it's harder when it's just me and, like, I'm doing it on my laptop to, like, a recording, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was, like, researching all this stuff about Sada and, like, looking for tips and whatnot. And it talked about how that's part of the practice. There's actually... 
um, this whole like yogic beauty practice you can do that, you know, it's like kind of like massaging your face, massaging your, your breasts and like kind of getting all of everything flowing before you get out of bed and then mm-hmm. taking a cold shower. And the thing I found and with Kundalini, I think a lot of it, the thing I really resonate with is that they're always kind of like, well, you know, you can go easy, you know, like try, try it a little bit at first and then, like, gradually build up for you to be able to withstand it longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that because I was pretty scared at first. But whenever I take a cold shower in the morning, it's hilarious. I mean, bless my neighbors if they hear me. Because <laughs> I, like, I like shriek with laughter as yeah, soon as the whole... Laughter. I'm so like... So <laughs> Isn't it interesting? So, and I'm the same way. Um, I used to, yeah, I used to laugh getting in the shower. Yeah, and sometimes I still do when, when it's really, really cold and it, when it's really doing its job, you, you just get this burst of laughter where you're just, it's spontaneous happiness. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and that's why sometimes I'll put on like my favorite song at the time or I put on dance music, um, in the bathroom, I'll bring my little jam box speaker into the bathroom and, and, and just like dance in the shower and put on it and make it freezing cold and stay in there for as long as I can. And I get out and I'm smiling and I'm, and I'm inspired and awake and, and high vibe, which is great. You know, one, one thing I really have to say, one thing I really have to say about um, self-care and, you know, these healthy habits, whether it's healthy habit of mind or body, the ego will come in the back door constantly and try and guilt us for not being perfect. And that's a tendency in spiritual communities, you know, to, to only present the side of ourselves that are, you know, yoga bending, green juice drinking, um, Course in Miracles studying, people and that's great and 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 we and i love you know going on instagram and finding inspiring accounts where it's where it's reminding me to do all of that stuff um it's also important to remind yourself that that slipping up here and there is a part of life it's a part of the balance of life and it's not about being perfect what's more important than perfection is self-forgiveness because ultimately that's why we're here so no matter how many, you know, bad things you've done, if you can really, truly, deeply forgive yourself, forgive yourself, um, that will lead you into a place where these things just come naturally to you, where you naturally go to do your yoga practice rather than grab a bag of smart food. Yeah. Or pirate's booty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know what I'm saying? I love that you brought that up because I definitely think that that was a major lesson for me um, that I learned in my practice. And I feel like you can, it's easier for you to commit and to, to actually keep showing up for it when you add that level of forgiveness. Because I think that was one of the greatest lessons Sadna taught me was self-forgiveness. Because I literally, you feel amazing. For anybody who doesn't know what Sadna is, it's just like, it's just think of it as like a morning meditation ritual that's done during the sunrise. But it's pretty much like saying that you're going to wake up at a certain time for a meditation. And then sometimes life happens and you, you know, oversleep or whatnot. 
and it doesn't happen or you get up a little bit later and you have to do mm-hmm. it later and it's about on those mornings not beating yourself up for it mm-hmm. and just being like it's okay you need a little extra sleep today everything's fine we got this um and i think when we 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 care for ourselves like kind of the way you're talking is if we care for ourselves the way we would care you know like if if you texted me and you're like i'm i didn't take a cold shower today and i'm totally beating myself up for it I'd be like, Jordan, no big deal. Like, it's fine. Like, you'll get to it when you do. Um, but often we don't give ourselves that compassion. Um, and it's so important to remember that. Yeah, it's about my intention isn't to, my, my, really my intention isn't to be perfect. My intention is to be a better friend to myself. I want to be my own best friend. You know, um, too often we're our own bullies. Yes and our own tormentors and we haunt ourselves with terrible images from the past and the imagined future and we just need to come in and and even that's a great reminder for ourselves what would your ideal best friend tell you in this situation yes yes Um, and sometimes that's what i'll ask myself and that will help me reorient my mind from fear to love i love that All right. Well, we're going to wrap up. But before we go, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your bedside mantras because I think this is a brilliant idea Um, and I'm a big fan. I think um, it's just such a beautiful way to put yourself to sleep at night. And I think that's a lot of what people are struggling with in our society right now. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to wind down at the end of the day and when you have a lot spinning around in your head and particularly when you have computers and cell phones and you're scrolling through Instagram and your mind, if you go to sleep with your racing mind, you'll compromise your sleep and you, your next day will be affected by it. I, 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 really, I think the day really begins the night before. The day begins the night before how you go to sleep. And when I was going through my breakup, I found the most comforting thing I could do was to say a surrendered prayer. And I would say a surrendered prayer to myself and then turn on some brainwave entrainment music that helps soothe you and help you fall asleep in a relaxed way. And, and, and that helped me enormously, and I haven't stopped doing that since. And so I created this product, the Bedtime Mantras digital album. Uh, I wrote out a prayer for each day of the week, aligned with the planetary energy of that day. So Monday is the moon, and it helps you nurture your emotional side. Um, and Tuesday is Mars, and it helps give you courage and conviction. And I set these prayer, I say these prayers over um, brainwave entrainment music. And... Then for, I just say for a couple minutes, and then the rest of the track for an hour is music that will, you can play as you fall asleep. And I listen to that every night, um, and it really soothes me. It helps me go to sleep in a way um, that deepens my, my faith and my belief in a power greater than myself. And that, that, that's everything. I want to also offer your viewers and your listeners 20% off if they go to thebachbook.com and purchase Bedtime Mantras album and input, enter the code Cassandra44 at checkout, they can get 20% off. Awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, there you go. I will include a link below with all of that information so they can find it easily. 
as well as Jordan also offers a free guided meditation for anyone that's interested. Um, and I'll include that link below as all, as well as all information about him and where you can find him. And you can look up all the blogs we've been referencing and talking about because I'm sure you're going to want to get more of him after this. Thank you so much, Jordan. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. I really appreciate your time and your amazing energy today. And, and thanks for being on the Lightmaker Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Let's and we're going to get everyone to keep doing more. <laughs> Let's spread the light. Thank you. I love it. Bye, love. Bye-bye.